Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. This is the midweek pod before the West Virginia game. We are gathered around the fire, enjoying some fall weather, some cigars, some drinks. It's fun. We are out under the stars. I'm Steve. I'm Connor. Jay. Lucas. And as always, the midweek pod is brought to us by Fluke Luke Fishing. It's a YouTube channel. Fluke Luke Fishing brings you feel-good fishing content and honest reviews of equipment and tackle. Please go watch, like, and subscribe. Fluke Luke Fishing. Thank you to Fluke Luke for his sponsorship. Let's get into it, guys. Um, We've had a few days to digest and sort of... uh, get used to our station in life as a 7-2 and two team that is struggling with an offensive coordinator that people are very unsure about, to say the least. Um, not according to our poll. Not according to our poll. So that's a, great, that's a great point. Let's bring up the poll and see exactly what the, the audience had to say about what we thought was a, a pretty apropos question, which is... When should Jeff Lebby's employment at OU be terminated? Immediately, at season's end, not sure, but by mid-January, it shouldn't be. Well, 40% said it shouldn't be. That was actually the plurality. But the majority was at some point between or among the three different choices. So at season's end was 30%, immediately was 18%, and not sure, but but mid-January was 12%. I was actually a not sure, but mid-January guy. Where were you guys? I was in the immediate train. Um, and I think I expressed it a little bit. I know I know. we talked a little bit on the post game about worrying uh, if it was an immediate fire, how it would have a, an effect on current recruits and stuff like that, and to wait until maybe signing day or after signing day, so that January time frame maybe. Um, Something that I know we, we talked a little bit about amongst ourselves this week. If Even if Lebby were to leave after National Signing Day or get fired, I believe the rule is, and this is I haven't confirmed this, but I believe the rule is if your position coach that has recruited you leaves the program, you can basically get out of your national letter of intent and sign somewhere else at, at no, quote-unquote, at no cost, right? At we can n- also no, look no, really bad as a head coach who wouldn't let players yeah they're gonna let him out no matter what so so i mean i think i again i i don't know unless here's maybe here's the one caveat i would say to keeping levy and again something else we've alluded to if he plays jackson arnold at any point over these these three weeks in meaningful situations and shows that he can run an offense better than what he's ran with dylan gabriel then there's, there's an opportunity to say maybe there's something here. I don't think that's the case. I think what we said in the post game, um, what I've said on Twitter this week, Jeff Lebby has shown, shown me nothing that has made me think he's going to progress to a point of being a top-level offensive coordinator right now, especially heading into the SEC. So I'll go back to what I said on the post game. We're out of time to be able to try to figure this stuff out. Jay, you brought it up extensively. This is not a learn-on-the-job type of position that you can hold. Um, and I think that's what he's trying to do. I don't think he – I think he's trying to put stuff together that he is wanting to experiment with himself and <laughs> with, the, with the team. And it shouldn't be that way. We should have a foundation built after 
one season and it's, again, it's not nine games, right? Yeah, one season and nine games that is not there. There's no foundation to this offense. I don't know what we're built on. So I'm in the immediate category. We've had 22 games to see what he could do. None of us are satisfied with it. Even if he's limited by Dylan Gabriel's <clears throat> arm strength and vision over the middle of the field like we've talked about for the last two years, um, his situational awareness isn't good enough because every time we get something going in the running game, he does some stupid trick play. Every time we're actually starting to throw some intermediate passes, next thing you know, he's bringing in a running back that's touched the ball 10 times a whole season to take a direct snap. or If not a receiver. Yeah, or a receiver in the backfield. It's, it's too broken up and not smooth. There's no flow to it. And I don't care who the quarterback is, even if you're limited with what you have, the play calling should still be better. So yeah, you're, you're in the, the immediate category as well. I'm end of season because I don't think end it, of season. You unless, don't think it'll happen unless Seth Luttrell or Emmett Jones or Matt Wells, one of those guys is in the the top three that you're thinking of. If you're if you're looking at going in house, or if, if you already have somebody in mind out, then. You let Jeff Ledby finish if somebody from the outside's coming in. Maybe, maybe not. But if somebody's in house that you're looking at auditioning, then you do it now. Which obviously it's Wednesday, so it's not happening this week. Um, and with two games left, it's not going to happen this year. It's just, it's just not. What we if, could score seven points if, this week, and he's not losing his job. Okay. I, th- I think for me, the initial emotional reaction after Saturday was. You know, I wanted him to not even get on the get on the plane, <laughs> um, but or the bus, I guess, because we didn't have to go that far. But thinking about it, uh, I'm good with it. At the end of the season, only because we're technically not out of it yet. I think that's fair. If if we were 100 percent, had no chance at a Big Twelve title no chance at a 10-win type season, which even if you're not in the title, that's that's a decent season to build off of. I would say, you know, absolutely get rid of him now and just find somebody else, move on with the youth, put Jackson Arnold in, who cares? But we technically still have a chance. And I think you have to go, no matter what, for that Big 12 title while you can. No, I agree. I think that and the reason I say I don't know exactly when, but it needs to happen, I feel like there is still a lot to play for. There is the backdoor opportunity for a Big 12 title. There's also the opportunity to have a big bowl win, to have a 10-win season where you can hang your hat on that. It's going to look better in the record books. It's going to look better to recruits. All of that stuff matters. It shows momentum. You also don't want to make it seem like, well, shoot, we lose two games and the whole thing, we just burn it down. So for the same reason that he probably should retain his job, you probably don't just say it's Jackson Arnold all the way. That you, But I would like to see Jackson Arnold play a significant amount. I would like to see Jackson Arnold come in early in games still in doubt. I would like to see those packages that Brent promised us with Jackson Arnold back in the summer to actually see those come to fruition now and I'd like to see him get significant playing time down the stretch 
I think that for, for Lebby and for the program and for recruits and for your existing offensive players that you've got to be worried about transfer portal issues, you have to be signaling what you intend to do. If you intend to keep him, if he wins and, and turns things around, you signal that. If you intend to replace him, you signal that. You need to be subtly or not so subtly letting people know, letting families know of recruits, here's what we want to do. Here's where this program is headed. My kind of behind the scenes hope is that the current players, the young players, and the future high school recruits know that Jackson Arnold is on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that alone by itself doesn't derail, you know, future commits or future hope for the program because they get to see stuff we don't get to see, right? They right. get to see every day in practice. They get to see what he can actually do. And there's a chance, you know, they're super stoked for next year. Current, Not that they're giving players. up on this year. Yeah, current players. Not that they're giving up now, but, like, they can see what next year and beyond could be. I have a little trepidation with us pinning all of our hopes and dreams on Jackson Arnold because – he was the Elite 11 winner. He was a Gatorade National Player of the Year. When we've seen him in sparing duty at OU games, he looks the part. Um, Denton Geyer was on TV a bunch last year, so anytime he was on, I watched at least half the game, if not more. Um, so he looks like the real deal, and that was against the highest competition in the state of Texas, which nationally is up there. You know, Florida's probably the only one that even matches what Texas has. Florida, California-esque type and so, stuff, yeah. I still have a little trepidation because we said the same things about Spencer Rattler. We were so stoked when Rattler was coming in that we were kind of like, when, when we got Jalen Hurts, we go, oh, is this going to hurt Rattler's improvement because he was expecting to start that year after Kyler. But the Hurts experiment was awesome to me, and I don't think it hurt uh, Rattler's abilities down the road. Well, it's easy to say but now. But he turned out to not be – I mean, he's, he's been a four-year starter now, essentially, well, three-and-a-half-year starter because he lost the job in 21. But seeing what he's doing at South Carolina isn't that impressive either. But he was the same high school All-American, yeah. num number one, number two type quarterback. We put all our hopes on dreams on him being the guy, and we were let down. I, I, I really hope that, that, that we're not – I agree. Sitting here talking about Jackson Arnold as the savior of this offensive program, and little do we know, we've just overhyped the whole we're thing. We're not. We're not, though. We're not pinning all our hopes and dreams on Jackson Arnold. That's kind of all you have in college football, though, isn't it? Right? You Don't you? The future you and the players and all that. All the fresh, but we're not pinning it all on in. Jackson Arnold. I don't think we pinned it all on Spencer Radler. We pinned it all on an offense that was generational and prolific with Lincoln Riley at the helm and then everything else. We did think that J that Spencer Rattler was going to be a lot better than he was. We think Jackson Arnold's going to be very good, but we're not saying that it's Jackson Arnold or bust. If I would say that's more true if we are saying no, stick with Lebby. Let's he's going to be fine with Jackson Arnold. That's when you're pinning all your hopes on Jackson Arnold. I'm saying Jackson Arnold's got got a chance to be really really great, but it's going to take a different offensive coordinator to get there. So well, I'm it, sort of pinning my hopes on a change. Yeah, and here's how I kind of spin it, too. If, if you look back at, at Rattler and, and that whole situation, part of me wonders if Lincoln knew that he missed on Rattler, which is why he went and got oh, Hurts. absolutely. And wanted to, sit, wanted to sit Rattler behind Hurts for a year. Because 
put Jackson Arnold in this situation and let's say Gabriel graduates after last year, Jackson's our clear number one. We're not going to get someone else, I don't think. I don't know. As a true freshman, we might have grabbed somebody in the transfer. We may have. Coming I mean, into the, this year. Fair enough. There was a lot, and there was a lot of quarterbacks out there, right, who I were mean, looking for I mean, they might have tried to bring Mordecai spots. back. Um, he transferred to Wisconsin. I think I probably – and, and maybe, again, looking back, I don't think the transfer portal the, – no, the transfer portal was not a thing back then. Hertz came in as a grad transfer. Um, I think that's more of a signal that, A, either, either Lincoln just doesn't want a freshman back there uh, trying to figure out things in – a season that was gonna that ended up being prolific, right? With mm-hmm. such a good offense, um, but B, I, I really think I really think that I think Arnold. I mean, if we go back to some of our conversations, I think Arnold put in the same situation as Gabriel's been in this year with this offense. Um, I don't know if we're having the same conversations about Levy per se, but I do think what we see from a winning perspective and in our record. I don't know if our record's much different right now. No. It um, might actually – honestly, I think it'd probably be a loss to Texas and a, and a victory over Kansas and I Oklahoma think, State. I think that may be a I more – I think the same I think that might be a, a very likely scenario. So, and we might be given a lot of excuses for Levy saying he's a freshman quarterback. He's making mistakes. I don't know. It'd be hard to say. If, if he's throwing the ball sideways and backwards as much as, as uh, Dylan Gabriel does – I don't know at some point if it's very excusable. Well, and at that point, you're, you're wasting what, you, what seems to be you talent. You've broken Jackson a guy. Arnold, right? uh-huh. like, I, we've seen Dylan Gabriel and his limitations. Um, he has serviceable qualities that he can do outside of throwing the ball laterally and, and, um, and dump off routes. But I, I don't think that it's to the caliber that we're going to end up seeing with Jackson Arnold where he can go down the field and do some of the things that Dylan just can't. And, and I think also Lebby can't do it. So, and this may be completely unfair because he's several years removed, but the caliber of program that UCF is and was, has been recently, is the kind of program where if you have a couple of extremely talented guys, you can exploit your opponents because they don't play in a very tough league come before the Big 12, and it's still the Big 12, but they... They played a very lesser schedule. If you look at the first game this year for UCF, and I don't remember the kid's name, but that one guy ran for like 8,000 yards or caught balls for 8,000 yards. If you're Jeff Levy in that offense, I see why you run a lot of jet sweeps to your fast guy and a lot of just throw the ball out laterally and let him make a break because he's going to—he's abusing guys that are not very talented. And that same stuff doesn't work against even Big 12 caliber defenses, much less what you're going to run into in the SEC. That's what I was, um, to kind of piggyback on that, I'm not sure that Jeff Lebby has figured out that we're the alpha. Yeah. And 99% of our opponents, particularly every season minus maybe Texas, Mm -hmm. we have... The better athletes we have the better personnel he is still calling games like we've got to confuse like we've got to trick people into what we're doing we're going this way we're not going that way we're really doing a reverse when we just need to line up and out athlete mm-hmm. these teams that we're playing yeah now it's not always just that simple i'm not saying you just 
can call a standard, you know, five plays a game and beat Kansas. But at the same time, I, it it probably takes a while for someone's mentality to change mm-hmm. and realize, you know, we're the alphas on this football field. Let's it, just do what we do yeah. <laughs> and make them stop what we're doing. And at the same time, it's not enough to say if you're up against Kansas, Oklahoma State, to, to take the two teams that just beat us. You can't just get the ball to your fastest or one of your fastest players and expect they're going to have a whole lot of success because you're playing against really good defensive talent. It's kind of like when guys go to the NFL and figure out, oh, my God, these defenses are really fast. And the stuff that worked in college doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah, like, I've got to set up my route right I've got to actually run. Yeah. I've actually got to do a really good job. And it's got to be more complex because all of a sudden they're in the backfield. They're challenging. They're, they're stride for stride with those receivers. And that stuff that worked so easily before doesn't work that way anymore. Well, you've seen, like you said, in the NFL with <clears throat> D.D. Westbrook, we thought would be an amazing NFL receiver. Didn't pan out, which Jacksonville was a crap show. So who knows there. Um, um, but he was running by guys here, right? Like right. He was just beating guys. And he gets there and, and he, he can't, can't do, do it. that. Hollywood Brown, same way. He's had a decent pro career, but not to the level that we all thought he would do when he went to the NFL, just speed-wise. Yep, not for because a Blitnikoff winner. Yeah. You're the best guy in your conference at running past guys. And then you go to the NFL, every one of those defenders was the best guy in on their team and a lot of them in their conference yeah and you're running against those guys and you don't have the speed advantage that you did or the mm-hmm. just the overall talent advantage and that's what Lebby hasn't noticed like jay is saying what the sawchuck 64 yard touchdown was a simple run play that just he just sprinted to the edge and then bam he was gone and Night. What was it? What was it, eighteen of our twenty-two runs were up the middle. Yeah, eighteen of our twenty-two were between the tackles. Between the tackles, and magically, one of those four that weren't was a sixty-four-yard touchdown. Yeah, and the other three that were outside of the tackles gained twenty-one yards total for an average of seven yards per carry outside of the tackles. And the inside run game was about four point six or something. I mean, that's a huge difference in mindset of. Not, not that you have to run outside every single play, but you sure as heck don't need to run between the tackles every single play. If right. It, even if you're – I mean, four yards of carry is reasonable, but when you when you can see – what drive was it that we had the saw check touchdown? First drive. The first, first drive. drive. Right. And then you really never go back to that the rest of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's like how do you not see in the third quarter you go back to that and see what happens – it, it makes me wonder if on your fifth drive because you go in back his and experience anything that worked didn't work the next time and he doesn't realize that things you mean jet that, sweeps yeah that things that well they, they never worked or i guess it worked very first time right <laughs> so he goes back to the same he, he goes he, he wants to change it up because he thinks that anything that happens to have success they're going to adjust for yeah except for jeff sweet and that's not jeff always Sweets. the case that's not always the case yeah. exactly they haven't figured it out yet and they're not going to because that you're exploiting the weakness you're exploiting where we've got we're the alpha we have better athletes we have it we have it figured out just keep hammering that home we saw it at kansas we had we weren't doing we were completely stagnant offense until the rain delay came we spent an hour. We saw them run down from the press box and run into the locker room. They were in there for an hour. 
They come back out. We scored 21 points in like, what? Seven minutes. Seven minutes or something like that. And then you go in for halftime where both teams will be making adjustments again. And then it seemed like he didn't want to do any of the stuff that worked in that seven-minute span, which one of those was a fumbled, a fumbled yeah. kickoff. We had a short field. Regardless. Right. Still. But, yeah, but still, you, you had things that worked mm-hmm. in that stretch. And then come crunch time, you're doing completely different stuff away from what possibly could have got you back in one game. He lets the game get to him, I think. He I think lets, he's afraid of success. Yeah, I, that's that's a good way to put it, actually. Is I, He almost goes into this this shell of protection to say, oh my gosh, like, look at us with the lead. I'm going to, I've got to do something because we have the lead and we need to close it out. I don't know. It's just a, it's such a weird, it's, if you watch it as a neutral fan, it's almost like he's throwing the freaking game. It's almost like, hey, like, let's make this as hard let's on make ourselves this tough all of a sudden. as we can yeah. with a lead. And we, uh, we can go back to the Texas game and look at that. I mean, we have the, we have the huge uh, Quinn Ewers fumble at midfield where we can go and take a – we can go up by, I think, 14 or 17 in the second half. Yeah, we're up by 10. And we could go and take a 17-point lead after that turnover. We go three and out and, and because of and lackluster seconds, play probably. calling. Yeah, it, no, it, it's <laughs> yeah. something like that, yeah. seriously. So yep. he just – I don't know, it's – Steve, that's a really good way to put it in terms of just it, it looks like a guy who who doesn't know how to be successful and like a guy who who just acts like he hasn't been there before. And that's And he hasn't. You, you can't you can't do that at a program like this. No, you you got to accept your your status, which your status is really good. But go ahead and and exploit it. I I feel like he's put your foot almost on their throat. afraid of the criticism that if he goes back to the well and it's not successful, which is so ironic because the jet sweep is exactly that. But anything else in the facet of the game where you're actually, the jet sweep is a really safe thing. Throwing down the field and being aggressive is not. And time and again, we've seen and we've criticized how it doesn't look like he's willing to do stuff that's aggressive. That he's willing to do stuff that if it fails, it makes you look bad. Well, anything looks bad when it's failure. He doesn't get that. But he'll take the safe route versus the, the thing that's a little more aggressive that if it works, it is a, it's a very successful uh, part of the game, if not series. And then it's the criticism of he just doesn't seem to have a rhyme or reason to what he's doing. It's like he's randomly pulling stuff out of a hat, out of that Rolodex, and he's taken most of those cards out, and he's just going to use these five or six. And it's just the weirdest assortment of things that don't seem to go together, along with player assignments. So let's get to that a little bit. We do not have this confirmed, but we have it under some, some, a little bit of inside scoop that there may be some dissension going on, whereby DeMarco Murray is somewhat frustrated by being hamstrung in who he can play, that he's mad about who he has to play in the rotation. And it would lend itself to some credibility in terms of comparing what we're doing this year versus what we've seen DeMarco Murray do in previous years if he's the one in charge of who's playing. And that is go to running backs and get them into a rhythm previously. And and this year, not at all. He's had guys in the past. He's had his guy in the past. Last year, Eric Gray. 
year before that, which I mean, it may be obvious, but Kennedy Brooks, he's had a guy, he's had a running back. We don't have a running back. We can say till we walk that, that all we want, but we're still rotating. We're still rotating. We're rotating, in, rotating, we're, we're rotating in Smothers over Hicks. Smothers over When's some the of the others. Wide Smothers receivers. Wide Hicks. receivers over. Yeah. When's the last time Smothers got in a game? I Ar- bet it was four games Arkansas back. Arkansas State, or did he come in? No, Tulsa? he was in like. No, a, he didn't make the trip to Tulsa. I don't think uh, he was in uh, against uh, like Iowa State. I think um, late. Yeah, in the blowout. So I mean, it wasn't. Uh, but it, he wasn't in there getting. <laughs> no, he did. He did play at Tulsa. Hicks didn't travel to Tulsa because <coughs> Smothers right. had one of the best runs at, at Tulsa at the mm-hmm. end of the game. So we're gonna look, work to confirm these rumors, but they come on fairly good authority. It would, it would tend to make sense that somebody's making a big mistake in terms of personnel. And it's at running back we've seen personnel questionable, crazy, what's going on. With Stogner, we see craziness. And I'm going to just go ahead and name some names in, to, a, uh, to a degree. If I were Jeff Levy and I am concerned about the relevancy of my best friend, Joe John Finley, and he coaches only tight ends, I'm going to make sure the tight end is in all the time. Or, even if I don't actually feel like I'm doing that manipulatively, I might think, and Joe John comes to me and says how great Stogner is, sure, that's automatic. I'm not even going to question if Stogner should be in there. I'm going to put him in place, and we're going to work around that with everyone else. That seems to be what they're doing. Well, and even, I mean, how how limited, I mean, if if DeMarco's not the only one limited in this, right? I mean... If you do go that route, how limited is Emmett Jones and the personnel that he's running out there? When he's saying, if he's wanting Brennan Thompson out there running routes and we're, we're not going to that or something along those lines. And you go back to the tight end situation, that whole thing is just, it's, it's off. Baffling. So, I mean, you have a, you have a tight end that's tweeting during the game, um, responding to a tweet that says, how is Austin Stogner the only or the best tight end that OU has, and uh, a dissenting tight end, uh, Llewellyn, tweeting, hmm, like HM, period, during the game. So, I mean, there's some that Brent Venables has done such a good job of defining a culture that, that you know, you go back to that original press conference, a, a, a elite, you know, a, and I'm not saying we're elite, but a, a suffocating, relentless, physical defense i think he's a vision he's he's and he's establishing that vision right we can see that like there's a a transcendence and a path that's happened from year one to year two where we're at the same message needs to be going through the offense and Mm -hmm. we we're with stuff like that that's some lincoln riley bs Mm -hmm. that's some previous regime um, I, my ego is bigger and bigger than the team itself, and I'm going to make this about me. And you need to be instilling those same values on the defensive side that you on the offensive side. There's no excuse for, and again, that goes back to Brent Venables. He is the head coach of this football team. He's a defensive guy, but the buck needs to stop with him in terms of saying if Lebby's if Lebby's not instilling the culture that he needs on the team. Venables needs to do that for him. Well, I'm going to go back to something that Jay and I talked about. Jay, you brought up this point that he is obviously leaning towards the defense. That's natural. That's his home base. And that's fine. Um, What he needs in terms of an offensive coordinator is somebody he can completely trust and turn the reins over to. 
and you really need someone who is a very, a very, very good offensive coordinator, usually means that somebody that's going to be a very experienced veteran offensive coordinator, and probably be nice if somebody has some head coaching experience. Because he is not able to, or wanting to, at least not in this season or last season, devote any amount of sufficient time to be the I split my time between the offense and defense head coaching job. He's had to be integral to the defense and getting it where he wants to be. He needed, deserved, and probably wanted an offensive coordinator who he could just turn the reins over to and trust. And unfortunately, I think he's missed in Jeff Levy. It hasn't been the guy. Yep. Yeah, I agree. The The entire offense has just been jumbled from the get-go. I mean, you've got – I love Farouk. Why is he the one running three go routes against Oklahoma State? Mm-hmm. He's not a burner. That's right. not what he does. Um why does Gibson get one snap versus Oklahoma State, and he's lined up at the, running back position? Yeah, one snap, and he was in a the running fourth back. quarter of Bedlam. I mean, who comes to that decision? Like, hey, let's get Gibson on the field. Okay, great. Win. Fourth quarter crunch time. All right, what what position? <laughs> running back. Let's roll with it. This is beautiful. <laughs> like, how do you get to that point? At all? What's the thinking with any personnel whatsoever? What What's the it logic? It makes no sense. Yeah. Why Why all. are you that? Why are you that deep into your playbook? Yeah. There's no freaking reason. You're not up by forty something points and trying something out. Or down by forty. You're not down by forty. Why You're is, not running the offense with Jackson Arnold. You are trying Brennan to Thompson, win a game. Why is Brennan Thompson, who could be a very <laughs> great player at some point in time? But he is a vertical threat, period. Why is he the go-to guy on a, stop on a route. fourth and seven pass across the middle of the field? In traffic. It made no sense. Kill me. So much, so much of it makes me. no sense. And, and I, I don't think – I think a lot of the fan base is seeing it at least out of frustration. I don't think they're seeing it necessarily at the detail that we're seeing it. Some people are definitely seeing it and questioning it. I hear other people and talk to others, though, that almost seem some, some combination of apologetic for Levy or granting and conceding too much. I, it really frustrates me. Yeah, I've seen a lot of, well, this offense is at, you know, 25th in the country in efficiency or, you know, all these stupid statistics. To I was even higher than that. that. I think we're 7th in the country in total offense. I mean, yeah. I see with my own eyes that the offense isn't working. And the only number that matters is points scored. And I don't care if we're 7th or 10th or 15th or whatever the number is in efficiency, it's not real. Because when we've only scored in the 40s once in conference play, and that was against Iowa State, we scored 50, and that was with a defensive touchdown. So really we scored 43, let's say, on offense. Do we have 42? Well, we got 43, yeah. Yeah. Oh, because we have the safety. Yeah. We, so we had a safety. That's safety. a defense. It's yeah. 41. So we scored 41 points on offense. That's the only game we've we've scored in the 40s in conference the entire season. And and more relevant even in a conference to make it's it worse. not crazy. Def, it's not a crazy defensive conference. No, no. And beyond that, we're not holding opponents to 10 points. Yeah. That'd be different if you're winning 42 or 30, 34 to 10. Then maybe we got something. Yeah. But you're you're going down the stretch and you're actually having to into the deep into the fourth quarter play a game against UCF that you might lose. 
play a game against Oklahoma State and Kansas that you do lose. I mean, Cincinnati, we won 20-6, to six, and we all came away from that saying, why didn't we score more points? It's not like they held the ball for 40 minutes of the 60. Yeah, no. yeah and you're only okay with that game because of the six. Yeah, right? You're right. thinking, okay, well, that's, you know. Yeah, we, I mean, we so weren't much really, better than what and we've been also used thinking, to. Well, there's two things we were thinking. One, that defensive line was was tremendous, we thought, and for Cincinnati. And two, it's early, and you're expecting us to get better. Yeah. And we haven't gotten better. No, 34 at Texas, 33 at Kansas, 31 at against UCF, where you had to hold on to win that with a knockdown two-point conversion. Um if they, yeah, we're a, we're a fourth quarter we're a, a final drive comeback against Texas and a two point conversion away from losing four straight games. Yeah. That's that's awful. That's pretty awful. You shouldn't be putting yourself and we talked about it the week before, you know, all the last three games the defenses we played have been in the 100 uh, 115 yep. on on total defense and we cannot put up points and that is it's affecting my happiness, and I don't like it. Well, but and if you if you're Venables, I mean that that stat alone right there, against these 100 level defenses, that should be enough to tell you that there's consistency there, right? From an offensive standpoint, and not in a good way. There's a lack of production against subpar defenses, very subpar defenses going into a conference where you're going to be playing some of the best defenses in the country. Some of the best defenses, at least with the, with the top half of the SEC, with the Bamas of the world, with the LSUs of the world, who are going to have just athletes at every single well, position. Well, even Texas A&M, Texas who's not A&M. in that top half. But athlete-wise, so, they're going to be able to yeah. wreak havoc, potentially. And all of them have good schemes as well. They're well-coached. And what's even worse is our defense has given us short fields yes. time and time and time again. Was it the UCF game where we started the first four drives inside plus territory? First five, four and out of four out of five drives. And we had a plus one territory. touchdown scored inside the inside the plus territory the first four drives. And that's not a fluke because we've done a lot of that. And then the turnover margin outside the last two games where we've had a lot of turnovers. But – we led the country in turnovers for the first six weeks of the season or whatever it was, which more than likely you consider those short fields oh, because you're getting the ball at least on the minus 40 in in in. in. And, well, regardless, and you're we flipping weren't doing the field usually. Unless yeah. it's a deep ball interception, right. you're flipping the field somewhat. And it's still nothing to show for Nothing it. to show for it. Well, Jay has some questions that he wants to ask us on the spot. We have not seen these questions ahead of time. <laughs> Yeah, so, the, yeah, so hit us, these, Jay. Are, these are, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on where we might be ranked in these categories in conference only. Where are we in scoring offense in conference games only? Second. And how many? We got 14 teams? Yep. In, in offensive scoring? Offensive scoring in conference games only. I'm going to say nine. I'm going to say. Five. Okay. We're sixth. Okay. Do we have the sixth most amount of talent in this league? Hard no. Okay. Let's go. That's the only one I'm going to go on with offense. Well, you know what? Screw it. Let's let's go to rushing offense. Where would we rank? 
Oh my gosh. In in yardage? All, this, this is all in conference. So yardage. rushing yards per game? Yep. 11th. Um, that's a good call. I'll say 11th. I'm going to say 7th. Okay. We're 8th in rushing offense. No excuse University for that. University of Oklahoma. No excuse eighth. for that. No excuse for that. Four of these teams are brand new to the league. Well, are, is that in wide receiver rushing yeah, <laughs> or in exactly. running back rushing? Okay, now I'm going to go to the side yeah, of the ball. I, wish, I, out of, I mean, if you could slice off Dylan Gabriel's huge rushing game against Texas, I wonder what we'd be at. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Oh, we, you mean Dylan Gabriel ran the ball in a game that we won? Yeah, uh, maybe Did we run him a lot at, at OSU? No. no. Did we run him a whole lot at Kansas? No. Ran him a little bit of Kansas, and it was successful. But let's go to OSU and not run him at all. That sounds like a brilliant plan. <sighs> so mainly why I brought this up was for the next group of numbers here that I wanted to ask you about because I feel like, and I, I don't want to, by saying this, I don't want to skew what your thoughts are. Okay, so maybe I'll just ask you first. Ask and then us. We'll, then we'll go back to Ask it. us. All right. Where would you rank OU in pass defense? Because I actually think our secondary is one of the strengths of the team. Passing so yards per game, per allowed, game against allowed in conference. I'm going to say eighth on that one. I was going to say ninth. I'll say fifth. Eleventh. <laughs> we were 11th in pass defense. In conference games only. And a lot of that's come in the last two games. Well, UCF had some well, big three, ones, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, they had some. Yeah, Iowa State had a few big ones, too. Yeah. What about yeah. rush defense? Fourth. Fourth. Fifth. Sixth in rush defense. Number one is Texas at 87 yards a game. Now. We're sixth at 161. I will say. Double. In double all, Texas. I will say in all these, we've only had um, – we have eight games. We've only had five conference games. We don't all have common opponents. The sample size is small and, and definitely skewed based on who's played whom. So there's a little grain of salt with all of this. However, our talent level We have played is above three this. of the better teams, teams in the conference. Yes. Yes, I will say that. So. Well, four, really. I mean. Iowa State. Yeah. Oh, Texas, yeah. Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. Yeah. yeah. All right, total defense. Which is defined as... Passing, rushing, yards yardage. per game. Yep. We, we have more of a bend, don't break. Um, Ninth. Seventh. Eighth. Ninth. You've got it. Texas is number one at 358, and we're at 429. Huh. It's a big difference. But what the reason I wanted to bring this up was... I find our rankings very interesting because the eyeball really, I feel like we've made a significant defensive improvement. We definitely have. But to be 11th in pass defense and 9th in total defense in conference. Right. Well, if I wanted to be an apologist for the defense, and I do, I would say that's because... They can only do so much. Well, I'm wondering how much more we're on the field than other teams as well. We're on the field a lot, and we're put yeah. in a lot of difficult situations that should be put away by offense. Like, what's our time of possession defensively relative to or those other teams? What's our offensive time of possession? And what's our, yeah. our offensive? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I bet 
we're at probably a 33% offensive possession to 66%. No, I bet it's not that bad. I bet it's more like of a 60, excuse me, minute game. 40-60? I bet that we're getting, that we have the ball 25, an average of 25 minutes a game. Think so? If you give me another minute, I can look it up. So just to bring this up, West Virginia is fifth in the country at time of possession. Dangerous. They maintain it 34 minutes and 52 seconds. That's dangerous for us. Um, that's definitely dangerous for our offense. I'm just going to scroll down because I've got I, the time possession for this season right here. Go, right, go for it. We are averaging 29.02. Hmm, pretty so right up. So pretty half, close to 50, half. 50 50 essentially. Yeah. Now, Does not but that that's way. for the season. Yep. And we might want to look at just in conference if we could. No, that's that's in conference that I'm looking. I'm on the Big 12's website. Okay. Now, did you select this, ju- did you yeah. select just conference games? No, nope. it's a toggle at the top. Um, no, it says conference stats only. Okay. Wow. But it lists us with nine games, so I don't know how that's correct. See, there's a, yeah, there's a, um, there's a, the you have to push the button to, and it resets all the stats. Okay. Uh, that's that would be surprising to me, but um, then again. Sometimes at the end of the game, we're <laughs> we have a lot of possession. We come I've away with a, nothing. This one has twenty-eight seventeen. Okay. In conference. In conference. So well, that's not good. No, that puts if, us at ninety-fifth. Yeah, that's not good, and that'd be fine if your offensive efficiency was so great that your score, score, yeah, score. That's a, then that's, it doesn't matter. That's the take to it. But for it sure. does matter because we're not scoring, or we're attempting a field goal, or something. That is not what you need to do to put teams away. I'd like to know our conversion rate per possession. How many? How often are we scoring? Yeah, that's when falling we have off. The ball, that's right? completely fallen off. It can't yeah. be. It can't be very good. Well, I'd, not not with that. Not with the scoring. Probably that we put say out. what, like sixty percent of the time, maybe. Maybe, and that would include the Arkansas State game and everything. So I don't know. It's. And that, that's almost a score it's per almost drive every there. stat you break down tells the tale of us underachieving who we are, what we can do, and what we want to do, and realistically want to do. I don't think it's unrealistic expectations. It'd be different if we had lost the SMU game, the Texas game, etc., and you're saying, well, what did you expect out of this team? This team is good enough to win every game that we've played. The only game that we maybe escaped with a victory that we didn't deserve was Texas. And we still had a chance to put them away if we do what we need to do in the second and third quarter. Yep. We're 11th out of 14 teams in time possession in, in conference games only. In, in the conference. 28-18. That's not going to get it done with what we've got offensively. And with uh, the way we the way we possess the ball, we we are not back again to the days of Lincoln Riley where it's three plays and a touchdown. We're three plays and a punt. Or three plays and a, a bad attempt at a fourth down. Yep. That won't work. So if you're going to throw the ball sideways and backwards, if you're going to run between the tackles, you've got to have time of possession working in your favor. We lead and the we conference don't. in penalties as well at 42. We're in first place. <laughs> Imagine and that. so many of those That's are just mental really mistakes of jumping penalties. off sides, yep. which you're going to have more exposure to that when you're possessing the ball a lot and you're running a a real precise tempo type of game that's not being very successful. All of that compounds. 
We look at so that many, on top of all the motion that we run. Yeah. On top of all the gimmicky BS that's out there that Levy has and instills and doesn't preach, doesn't seem to preach the discipline portion of that to say, you know, if we are running this tempo, you need to be extra aware of the snap count and when we're going to snap the ball type of stuff. So I yeah. have a question about the defense. What has happened to our defensive line the last two games? Oh, well, I think there's there's been an injury or two. And, it's, and, and it also, at linebacker, that's hurt, the defensive line. So we're not getting the push on passing plays that we did I, earlier I think, in the year. Yeah, no, I think because we're not and, – and I don't see the blitz packages that I would like to see. Yeah. But I don't think we're able to do it because of injuries. And maybe because of time and wear and tear. They're out there a lot. And not – there's, here's another thing time of possession doesn't tell you. Time of possession doesn't tell you stressful time of possession. When you're out there on the field for a long drive, even if you hold them to a field goal, and you're back out on the field in a minute and a half of game time, which happened definitely in the Oklahoma State game, and I think in the Kansas game, several games, that's a critical 10-minute stretch or so where you're exhausted, and your ability to get pressure is going to be completely thwarted because you just you're trying to catch your breath so it's not just the time of possession it's that time of possession in real critical situations where you forced your defense back out onto the field to do that all over again all of that leads into the West Virginia game and how we feel about it they run the ball really well defensive line is going to be critical to stop that run they have we've just mentioned time of possession dominance that's going to really challenge our offense a lot. I almost worry that they're going to be in a position where they're going to think we've got to possess the ball. And it's almost like it's one of those things where if you give a group, like you could look at it in industry or whatever you want to do, and you, you give a team, all right, here's your objective and here's what you've got to do. If you tell a line of manufacturing workers, we want no defects. They will be as slow as Christmas to get product out the door and make sure there's no defects. You've got to say, it's not just one goal you're trying to achieve here, guys. We're not just trying to get time of possession. We're not just trying to get yardage. We're trying to get points, meaningful points. We're trying to put teams away. It's a full package. We need the full package here. And that's not what we're achieving in any regards. And it doesn't seem like that's the objective we're, we're seeking series in and series out. Yeah, I've watched – I don't think I've watched a down of West Virginia football this year. Um, that being said, I think something that just holds true and something that we've not been great at – Didn't you watch them against Houston? Oh, I did watch that <laughs> yeah, one. I watched right. that one too. You're right, I did. It's a tough watch you for, it for a couple of was us. Was that a Thursday night or something like that? That was the that your, was your, the Hail Mary. Hail Mary oh, night. Yeah, God. <laughs> Something that we haven't been very good at, at least the last couple of weeks, we, we haven't been able to get off the field um, as effectively as what we need to be doing on third down. Um, we've been in quite a few situations in third and medium and, and even some third and longs where uh, we've, it, it feels like the old days. Um, and Steve, a lot of that goes back to, I think, what you're talking about, injuries, wear and tear, tired. being tired, being on the field a lot. Um, that takes a toll. I think you can go back to the OSU game, though, and, and look. I mean, there was a, a really good kind of uh, breakdown between OSU's last score of the first half and their first score in the second half. 
of how well our defense did did do. They, they were on the field a lot. They let some long, lengthy drives um, occur, but they got off the field when they had to on fourth down for turnovers on downs and other stuff like that. So I want to see those. I want to see those stops happen early in the drive, as opposed to letting West Virginia possess the ball, uh, manage the clock on their terms. I want to see that first quarter UCF dominance where we come out with our hair on fire, we're getting the offense the ball back, and then to take that extra step and go score the football. Because, like you said, it can't be one or the other. You've got to have both. We, that, that UCF game could have been 28-0 to zero in the first quarter. Yeah, the and it was, defense played. It was 7-0 to zero going into – or late in the first. I'm not sure what the, the score was, but um, we were dominant on the defensive side of the ball. And our offense was doing them no favors by, by putting them back on the field time and time again. So um, the way you phrase it, Steve, in terms of just a full package performance, it's, it's going to take that in this game and it's going to take that in every single game from here on out. And we can say it till we're blue in the face, complimentary football has to be a thing. You, you've got to, with the defensive dominance, you've got to have offensive production. And that's something that we have fallen short on um, half of the season, it feels like. Yeah, especially in the back half of the season. Look, so, and looking back to last year's West Virginia game, that was one of our biggest complaints was the offense going three and out and then West Virginia running five minutes off the clock. And it really killed us at the end of the game when they literally just had their way down the field on us and held, I want to say it was almost like a six-minute drive to kick the game-winning field goal. Yeah, it was, it was a painful drive. And I, th- I think that there's something that they've gotten better at that we have dialed up knowing when we have to be aggressive. I would not say they're perfect yet. I, I still think if I'm going to criticize Venables and his defense and Ted Roof and his defense, I would say that they sometimes count on traditional football of we're just going to stop you and get the ball back that way or, or, or you know basically force you to turn the ball over on downs in a critical situation, whereas, and that was really a problem last year, this year we've been much better about, okay, we've got to be aggressive because it's go for broke. You either stop them or you let them score. So you get the ball back and you can do something. And that's happened, but our offense hasn't been able to produce anything out of it. They did uh, sort of at Texas. They definitely did when we let them score at Kansas. That was smart. We just but weren't Texas able was to a come game down. We had a lead that we could have put away. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And we we at Kansas came down and, and had what was a substandard last minute drive that ends in a short hail mary that should have been a a better shot at the end zone than what it was, and could have been a closer um, field goal in that situation if we would have gotten close enough. Uh, obviously, at Oklahoma State, it ended ridiculously short of opportunity there, getting stopped the way we did. I'd like to look back at that play because I've looked back at, at I've seen and remember quite a few where, not necessarily at the end of the game, but at a fourth down situation where we're doing that stuff where we throw it just to the sticks, or like at OSU, short of the sticks. And it's not just the one guy that Dylan threw to. Everybody's running their route short. It's not like we have anybody threatening. Whereas I'd rather have four receivers that are all 10 yards downfield, five yards past the sticks, and you're trying to find which one to throw to 
versus take your pick of a guy who's 50-50 if he's even going to get the first down if you catch the ball. That's a frustrating play call and play strategy in, in my mind that, again, that they're running. So I don't know that obviously this is just criticism upon criticism, but I think that's where we are, and I think that's going to be the tale of where we're headed over these next three games, which we should win. We're 12.5-point favorites, not for nothing. We should be better than West Virginia. We should win against West Virginia. I think if we come back healthy on the defensive side of the ball, um, I mean, even if we're a little depleted, there's there's no reason that line that you just mentioned, the 12.5, should not be attainable. Um, I don't know. It sounds like such a big score right now or such a big spread because we've been so poor lately. Um, you got to hope a, a help. And what's weird is, and it really kind of reared its head over the last couple of weeks, but we're not deep at cornerback. I think Woody Washington's no. been kind of exposed as someone who is okay. Yeah. But if you start throwing at him, he's either going to give you a pass interference or he's going to, or you're going to be able to go over the top and catch it over him. If Gentry Williams is out, I mean, that that's our best corner right now. And he got a little bit abused in the last game as well. But if he goes out, they're just going to pick on either side of the field, whether it be Kanai Walker or we saw some Josiah Wagner last week. Um, Colby has his, had his problems. Yeah, Dolby has been. And Dolby, yeah. And we've been running him more at, like, the, the cheetah position with yeah. rotating him and McCullough out. So I don't even know if they see him as a true corner anymore. I, I think so. to, the, to a compliment to the defense, I think they've realized, even though we criticize it sometimes in-game, they realize that they are exposed deep. And so they are erring on the side of allowing more of a cushion and – allowing more things to happen in front of them just not to get beat deep, which is good. If you understand your weakness and you're scheming around it, that's good. So I'm, again, being an apologist a little bit for the defense, but I think it's – I don't have a lot of problems with the defense. I don't it's have showing, a lot of fears there. It's showing there. a little bit of youth at our linebacker position, especially with Stutzman being out. Like We saw some linebackers who couldn't keep up in coverage last week between Canick. McKenzie and especially with Canick, who went off the field for a while. But – you got to hope linebackers can start stepping up their coverage in the middle of the field as well. What do you guys think about if Stutzman's 90 to 95%, him moving back to the spot that Canick has and playing Kip Lewis? I don't know how you don't Stutzman play Stutzman and Lewis. I don't know how you don't play The way Kip, Kip has been Kanick playing, has been missing tackles horribly for the last four or five games. He looks a little lost. Um, and Kip Lewis has an occasional, occasional bust. But overall, has played really well, and he makes up for it in his speed yeah. as well. And so I think Stutzman and Lewis are your two best linebackers currently, mm-hmm. and that Canning just needs—I don't know—he needs more time. I guess I don't know. I guess I mean I, I to to the I question agree. that you ask, I I think that should be your one-two this week. I think you put Stutzman back into that uh, that will, and you let Kip run the mic, and you roll you roll with it. And if it, if it if it's not working, you have you have something that you've been running all season go back to, to go camp. back to. Yeah. So I mean, you've got the option and the depth there. That that position is one that we are deep in right now. I mean, uh, you have between Canick and uh, well, I mean, you got Stutzman, four guys who played two spots. Yeah, McKenzie and Lewis. I, I don't know how deep that is. That's really only too deep. Yeah, it's a, it's a legit too well, deep. It's deeper than I mean. some other areas. 
my idea, vision-wise, where I think we're headed, if they have their druthers, what I think they would like to do is have the cheetah position and Canic be your total disruptors and have everyone else playing lockdown and doing their job and getting lots of tackles and, and everything. And those two guys are just wreaking havoc. They're not really... What we've called upon Canic to do is be more traditional and just play a position. Whereas I think he would rather have a guy like Canic and a guy whoever's in the cheetah position be just total disruptors who are just running free, blitzing and doing stuff that really gives the quarterback or a lot of uh, spine, yeah. a, a lot of problems, not being able to do what he wants to do because everybody else is just playing their position. And we're not quite there yet to have everybody in a gentry-like position of locking it down, getting it done, Stutzman there, getting it done. And that'll free up. You, you never know who's going to be the guy that, that leads the team in tackles in a situation like that. It could be that they're so freaked out about what Canick and Achita are doing that then Stutzman runs free. And maybe in the successful times we've had, that's what Stutzman's been doing and why he's been so successful. I don't know. Um, very kind of head-scratching. One more thing on defense. Stutzman left off of the la latest cut for the Budkus Award, which I take um, as a little bit of a snub. He, I believe, has more tackles for loss than anybody on that list. It's a big snub. He has better stats than, <laughs> than how many guys were on the final? Was it 15? 15. He had better stats than seven or eight of those 15. Yeah, and less than, and with, with one and a half less, less games yeah, played. Yeah, that is shocking to me that they left him off. Me too. I, I, I feel like the only thing I take as a real positive to, to give it a homer spin would be Hey, if that helps him come back for a, another year and solidify himself, then more power to it. That's going to be awesome um, because I think very highly of what he's achieved and, and the strides he's made. Well, let's let's talk about some predictions and let's start with the locks of the week. The realest deal locks of the week. And of course, the realest deal locks of the week are brought to us by Five Star Concrete. David and Josh, local business servicing the metro area from patios, sidewalks, driveways, shops, and more. Give them a call or text them at 405-306-3014. Look them up on Facebook at Five Star Concrete. They're in the show notes. They do a tremendous job. They give you some, some great deals on concrete work. So, locks of the week. Um, we've got a, a sort of a... A mixed bag here in terms of how we've done last week and it really tells the tale for the entire season somewhat so I again am awful at this I'm at 38% I was 0-3 last week Connor very strong overall 55% but you are 0-3 yeah, last first week first 0-3 of, uh, of the season Jay 45% so you and I both underwater a little bit you were 1-2 so a little more respectable Lucas, 2-1 last week for a 58% leading the charge. It's an upside-down world when, when Lucas's locks are winning. I'm going to try to get 65 for the end of the year. Oh, nice. Calling my shot. Calling. You're going to get to I 65? I don't know the math on it. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to help you with that? Nope. That's, that's going to be I'm tough. I'm not a math guy. That's going to be tough, buddy. <laughs> okay. Well, let's start it off and see what we can do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead the charge, and those of you that are fading me and making a lot of money, then here, here I'll tell you. I'll make sure to tell you who the other side of these are. I've got Kansas State giving twenty and a half to Baylor, so I've got Kansas State as the lock. That means that you guys should take Baylor. 
Florida State giving 14.5 against Miami, Florida, so take Miami. And Louisville, 20.5 against Virginia. So Virginia would be the bet for those who are fading me. Connor, who you got? Um, I've got Bama giving 10.5 against Kentucky. Uh, Michigan giving 4.5 against Penn State. That's kind of a game of the week situation. Game of the week, I I probably wouldn't have picked that if it was a night game in Happy Valley. I think they're going to do their whiteout. this week against Michigan, but it's the the holy grail of uh, prime time. It's big noon kickoff, um, so I don't I don't trust uh, Penn State to deliver as much in the in the day game. Um, and then I've I'm I'm turning us around. It's it's a turnaround week for all of us, uh, especially for OU. I've got OU giving twelve and a half against West Virginia. The Mountaineers going down. All right, I like it. Well, Lucas, you're our leader. So what do you got? Um. I'll tell you what I've got. I've got Kansas minus three and a half against Texas Tech. Um, that line seems a little funny to me, but that's usually the ones you lose on. But is that at Tech? Texas Tech has not played very well at all this no, season. I think State it's at Kansas. Been a big disappointment. I've got LSU minus 13 and a half against Florida. I think the Gators are terrible. And... I really wanted to take James Madison, but that line is so high. I think it's like 25 Did you and a see half they petitioned the NCAA? They want to get into a bowl game. They deserve it. They it, definitely the, deserve the it. The rule that they can't do anything for two years after coming up it's is BS. It's unreal. If it was the other way around where a team dropped from FBS to FCS, that's totally understandable. Who is who is the NCAA protecting with that rule? I, I have don't no understand. idea. Are they vested interests? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It is, that's it's all crazy. it is. So I didn't take that one. Corrupt organization. Who I've been writing for a while, but... I did go with Liberty minus 13 and a half against Old Dominion. Liberty's a quiet 9 and 0. <laughs> Jay, what do you got? All right, I'm going to go against Connor and I'm going to say Penn State wins straight up. Wow. C- challenging Connor. There's too much But you uh, would you no whoa, whoa, whoa. you you you're not saying you're saying you're take the 4 and a half. I'm taking the 4 and a half, okay. but they're going to win straight up. Okay. Okay. Um there's just too much going on with the Michigan program. There's too much outside noise. Um, I think they are thriving. On Michigan that. has played nobody, nobody. And that Penn is very State true. Has one of one of the best, if not the best, rush defenses in the country. And quite frankly, Franklin needs this game. Are they going to change their signs? Yeah, I was just about game? to ask. Surely, I don't know. No, Surely Connor Stallions isn't there anymore. But but he's yeah, but they already, still scouted he's already them scouted them. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That just I think I think Penn State is just in a must-win game, and I think Michigan's been a little overvalued. You by know how much a bunch of crap you talk about conspiracies with officials and everything else. You talk about something that would make the life of the Big Ten easier if Michigan would roll off a couple of losses. Yeah. They don't have to worry about any of this crap. My next pick is going to be Oregon over USC. Is it 14 and a half? It's 14 and a half. Oregon Name your score. I want is it. significantly better or or the better team than anyone USC has faced this year. Yeah. And a complete team too. Yes. Washington who beat USC what by 10 last week? Um and beat Oregon. Yeah, but oh, I, I, I do think Oregon's better than Washington. Washington cannot run the football and gashed USC. 
What kind of like score are you thinking in that yards. game? How high is Oregon going to score? Fifties. They've got a new. They've got a new defensive. Keep coordinator. in mind. Keep in mind. I believe it was something like a hundred years ago today, or or something like that. That Heisman led Georgia Tech to a two hundred twenty-two to nothing victory over Cumberland yeah. College. Do you think it's going to be like that? No, I think Oregon's defense is significantly better than Washington's. And the over/under in that game is seventy-three and a half. I don't know that they're as explosive, but it'll be more dominant than what it looked like from Washington last week. So Dan Lanning's I'll, not going to hold any punches. I'll go either. something along the lines of forty-two. To 24, something like that. Okay. For that game. And then my last one, I don't like this. You can audible. That's all right. I'm going with it. The Oklahoma State line yeah. at UCF just two, makes two no sense. It doesn't me. make any sense to me. It either. makes no it's, sense. It's the hangover, I think. I do. I agree, but. Yes. They're like a terrible. Terrible rush defense. OSU won the Super Bowl last week, though. Haven't you heard? I know. The, according to OSU fans, they are now Bedlam champions forever, even though they only won 20 of 117 times. 118. 118 games, they won 20. <laughs> but now they're the all-time Bedlam champs. Congrats. I mean, it's either Oak State or West Virginia. How much does Ollie Gordon rush for in that game? <sighs> I mean, 200-yard game. Does he beat? No, he does he break 300? Th- he should rush for three, 350. He, 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 may, he may break 300. But. The way Vegas knows their stuff, there's there's something there. All right, so you got Oklahoma State giving two and a half to UCF. It could be all the injuries, you know. OSU had 17 injuries against he, us. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait, no, those guys no, just, those are fake injuries. They just faked it so they could stop our tempo. That's okay. true. That's no, maybe true. Ollie Gordon's, you know, Vegas knows something we don't, and they're going to hold him out so that the hip gets better <laughs> or something. But. Well, let's talk a little bit about our predictions for the OU score. So... This one might be a little divisive. I don't know. Twelve and a half point favorites. We obviously are rooting for OU to do as good as possible. We're not rooting for. I've heard some talk from some friends saying, "Do we need to root for a tight a tight game or a bad game or even a loss so we get rid of Levy?" No, no, we're not. We're not of that mindset at all. We're too healthy of a program that that's necessary. Um, and in fact, I think there's a good chance that we have, and I'd love to have a situation where we roll off three straight victories and we backdoor our way into the Big 12 title. It'd be awesome to play either Texas and win or Oklahoma State and win. And we're having a tough conversation about Levy or whatever. But it starts with the West Virginia game. And here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that we come out and we find a way to put points on the board. I've got OU 49, West Virginia 30. <laughs> 49. 49. We're going to wow. score more points than we have against anybody since Iowa State. We're going to Now, there may be some defensive scores in that. I've got I've got two scoop and scores and three safeties. <laughs> 49 to 30. Connor, what do you got? You got 38-24 OU. Barely covering, but they cover. All right, Lucas, what do you got? I've got 35-24 oh, OU. Not covering. Not covering. Um, I just, I've seen it so many games this year, we just, we can't score. So, that's why I got 35. All right, Jay, what do you got? 31-27. Ooh, OU. tight, tight, tight. 
The four of us will all be there. We're all going to be there. In our little we, we warm jackets. Cuddling up, trying to stay warm. Booties and gloves. <laughs> watching OU just stress us out as much as possible. So, do you think that, uh, well, a 31-27 to 27 game, the narrative doesn't change then. No, we're pissed in after that. that. We're frustrated and pissed, and we're worried about everything else yet to come. Um, I almost went thirty-one thirty. We may be pissed with your score, Steve. Who knows? Honestly, so we going. might be. We might be. I mean, you might look at it and say, um, "You still left points on the board." Or if if I'm right and we get some, not necessarily defensive scores. I was being facetious, but if if our defense puts us in a position with short field, it's like we've seen a lot through this season. And we settle for a couple of field goals. That's going to be very frustrating as well. So that'll be something to look for to see what we actually can do. Can we actually? What is the over under in that game, by the way? The Nor game? Yeah. Over under is. I bet it's about fifty five. It is. Bear with me. Fifty eight and a half. There you go. So I've got us covering the over under. Uh, most of us do. So we'll see. Jay, you're right on top of no, it. I'm basically, right at it, yeah. good job. Um, well, we'll see. We're going to be there. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. Anything else to cover? If if those of you that are listening, thank you so much. I I hope you aren't tired of us ranting and raving, but it's going to continue. I'm 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 afraid we're going to continue to be griping and saying we deserve better and we should be better. And it's got to continue until we are better. Absolutely. We I I demand. I mean, a lot of people. I've seen a lot of stuff saying, oh, you know, we would have taken ten and two at the beginning of the season. No questions. I asked. wouldn't have. I you would not have. I would um, have. I I would have taken not it. Not like this. But and and I think that's where it, it goes to is everyone would have taken that until we go and we beat Texas. Good until you're seven and zero. And you're seven and zero, and you have the world at your fingertips with a what seemed like a clear path, not only to a conference championship but what should be or what could have been a playoff berth. Um, and then to be where we're at tonight with all of our grievances, with the regression in the offense, um, it has to get better. Well, let's talk about out. that then. We, we periodically come back to what we predict our, our record's going to be for the regular season. I'll say at 7-2, and two, we're going to improve to 10-2. and two. That's as much, not just aspirational, that's my demand on what it takes to resuscitate, revive, get this season back to where it needs to be to be respectable. I'm going to say 10-2 and two is a very achievable goal. That's my prediction of what will be. Connor, what do you think? I agree. 10-2 and two, uh, is what I would say. Lucas, Jay, what do you guys got? I got 9-3. and three. I think we uh, stub our toe in one of the next three games. Don't know which one. It just, it just feels like it's there. Yeah. I'll, I'll revise mine to 9-3 and three as well. All right. I think I started the preseason off at nine and three but um uh, i think you started ten, at ten and ten two and did two. i start ten and two yeah. Yeah. lucas and i worse. lucas and i started at ten, now uh, nine you know and three. i'll openly admit after the texas win at six and oh i mean see i looked at our schedule from the get-go and said nine and three would be pretty disappointing actually it would be like the bare minimum i do think this will be disappointing and then Revise that a little bit with the quality of the opponents the way the the conference shook out we avoided baylor we avoided Texas Tech. We thought that was a good thing to avoid. It turns avoided out Kansas those are State. not very good teams. K 
Kansas State probably would be better to play Kansas State than Kansas at this point. Oh, absolutely. So you got to give some revision to that. So my 10-2 and two now is a better 10-2 and two than it would have been preseason. But we ain't, we're, we're not there yet, boys. Uh, we'll see. It we're, needs to be 10-2. It needs to be 10-2. It really does. And, and pressing for better. I want to be disappointed in the two losses, not disappointed in, in worse than that, obviously. And we all feel that way. Well, we'll be here for the post game. Tune in. Remember our sponsor, Fluke Luke Fishing. Go check him out on YouTube. Lots of great fishing tips. Um, he'll ha- help you catch a big one. So until next time, Boomer, Sooner. Sooner.